0: We're live.
1: It is. Wednesday lawyer talk off the record on the air. On the whatever it is, we are here on another Blitz Wednesday waiting on the interface from the Blitz. That means we will still and continue to answer questions live on the air from the Blitz Nation. That's ninety-nine-seven the Blitz with Loper and Randy. And anybody who knows now knows that we are we have been doing this for months and months and months through the pandemic, answering questions remotely from the studio. Uh, the crew is here. We got the exchequer checker over there. Jay Simon's, uh, running the facts. Jared of course is here. The beard, uh, maybe makes an appearance, maybe doesn't. Uh, but the show must go on. So it will, uh, I am fresh off spring break as it turns out. saw some cool Graceland. For those who don't know, that's Elvis Presley, the King. Uh, my son's asked, was, it, why did they call him the King? And the only answer I could think of, because he was the king.
2: He was the king. <laughs> right? Because he was the first. Right. He was the first one. You went to his crib. Remember MTV yeah. had cribs?
0: Yeah. He was the first one to have oh, a crib. Oh, he was the first one. He was, yeah. he
2: was the first one to have his own private jet. Yeah. He was the first one to have his own, you know I mean, more than jet than he had other planes. And then he was, he was the first one. And I, I've got a movie, which I'm going to to be fact-checked because I think it's wrong. I think it's called 600 Cadillacs. And uh, it was about uh, the Cadillacs he gave away. And more than that, like he's, he's just give away like Harley Davidson's and Cadillacs. He used to love to give Cadillacs away. And uh, one time <clears throat> he saw this uh, woman in a nurse's outfit with a young girl, sitting at the bus stop and uh, right next to a Cadillac dealership. And he was in there buying a car and he saw her. He walks up to her. She's waiting on the bus and he asked her, he says, you like that car over there? So shows us one. She's like, well, yeah, I like that car. He said, what's well, yours? She was like, "No, that's not my car. I'm waiting on the bus." He's like, "No, that's your car. just bought it for you."
0: Yeah, I
1: man. And there's so many stories like that about him.
0: Here you go. Elvis couldn't stop giving away Cadillacs. He owned over 200 Cadillacs.
1: Over 200 Cadillacs, and he gave them away. And there's so many, there's so many stories like that of his generosity. And then you know, but at the I end, heard, I heard he used to give away a lot of his rings too. One time right, there was right. a fan.
2: This is all in this movie. There was this fan, and uh, he, I don't know, some boy with disabilities, and he's in a wheelchair. And they saw him because he would tape his because he'd be dancing and he had those big rings. They'd come flying off. So whenever <laughs> his handlers would see him removing tape, they're like, "Oh no, he's going to give away a ring." And he gave it to this kid, and they were like, "This it was about forty thousand dollars." Wow, With the one ring he's like, gave it to the kid. So he was a very generous guy. He gave he gave a lot of stuff out. And for what you were telling me is that the family business has picked up and roaring now. They're really uh they've really added on to Graceland.
1: Yeah, and it, you know if you if you there's two ways to look at that, you know. Are they just capitalizing on on and and on his name and and you know doing doing it sort of um, in a too in too much of a commercial way, I guess I'm saying. Or are they keeping his name alive and sharing it with generations to come? And I I think maybe both. I think maybe both are true. I was down there in '91 ish, '90 '91, and um, I was blown away when I went back. Because, oh, wasn't that your odyssey? Yeah, it was one of my odysseys. I did. <laughs> Actually, it was before that, or maybe it was '92. Anyway, I, I, I went down there, and back in those days, it was just a house. You'd go see his house, and you would, um, you know, walk through it and get your little tour, and it'd take it would take a little bit of time. It was guided at that time, um, and this time, as I looked up tickets online had all these options I didn't understand what any of it was like you, you could just buy the main the regular ticket didn't include the house and I was like well what the hell else is there than the house and I, when I got there there's the huge structures they built now like warehouses full of Elvis stuff his cars his motorcycles his yeah, there was one that had um, all his memorabilia like gold records in it there was one that had all his suits in it there was another one dedicated just to people who were inspired by Elvis there was another one that had, it looked like it was closed because of COVID, but they had like a concert hall built there. I think they probably did shows at some point or planned on it. Um, it was just this huge, huge operation. And uh, they had it, they had it humming, man, dollars coming in. Uh, I guess it's still, he makes the most, I don't know what the na- the annual revenue was, but he's still killing it. The state is killing it. So it's not what I expected. And then when we got to the, the tour of the house, everybody says this about the house, it's like, they call it the Graceland mansion, but it's more like your grandma's house. You know, it's not, it's not a huge mansion.
2: Uh, But whenever it was built at that point in time and the area that it was in, that was a mansion.
1: Yeah. And it was like, I think it started as like a hundred acre farm and he bought like 20 acres of it and the house and, and had, they had all the receipts in, in one of those halls of all the decorator furniture purchased and the, uh, the pool table, the pictures on the wall, the carpet, all the stuff they purchased. And, I mean, it was crass. I mean, it was what you would expect from <laughs> from the the 70s. Uh, but really, sort of, he loved electronics. It was state-of-the-art in that way. He had his, his stereo equipment and hi-fi stuff. And I guess nobody gets to go upstairs into the bedroom and the upstairs area. And they said that he would... Very few people got to go up there, and, and when he was going, when people showed up, you could always hear him coming down the stairs, like all his stuff clanking, his jewelry, this or that, and he was ready to roll. He never came downstairs unless he was ready to roll. People would be there, and that's how he'd present himself. But really sort of a great experience, and I think it was great, you know, because my kids got to see it, 14 and 16, about to be 17, and they had really didn't have much. They knew that Elvis existed, but not much about him. And, and so I tried to look at it from that perspective, like just walking into that world and what is this all about, Um, really, really incredible the influence that guy had over our American culture and maybe the world culture just across the board. And uh, I think the kids were sort of blown away by it also. Bored. Well, I mean, for a while
2: he cranked out movies hand over fist too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And remember that when he was done with that, the the special, the the big, he's he's up on that small stage with the black leather and his comeback and he did his Vegas stint. I mean, really. I think that was like 69. 69, 68, 69. So, 68, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. But uh, anyway, it looks like the Blitz is uh, coming on here, so we'll go uh, We'll go make the shift.
3: Take some calls. All right, so Steve Palmer is uh, joining us momentarily here. 821-9970. I know we had a few legal calls earlier, and we had put those people... Uh, kind of on a later time schedule to call back. So if you can get through, now would be the time to call. Uh, I know there's a lot of people calling, but uh, definitely free legal advice goes a long way. There's so many people out there that have situations going on and they're like, well, I should probably ask somebody. I'm like, yeah, you probably should. I mean, it could be the difference between you winning a lot of money or owing a lot of money. Don't take whatever legal situation you may or may not be in too lightly because... It came, may just come back to bite you in the ass. Even stuff like a ticket, you know, it, it's, it can definitely uh, screw you over. So 99700 on the text. You guys can text in with your questions. Steve Palmer, what's up, man?
4: Hey, how's it going?
3: It's going well. Great to have you back on the show. Uh, we do have uh, a text here via the uh, the listeners. What, what are they saying, right?
5: Yeah, okay. Um, this happened. Uh, he said, I lost electric service to my home 15 times. I spoke to the electric company about it, and they just explain the obvious facts that there are trees growing along the power line of my home, and the limbs sometimes fall onto the wires, disconnecting them. They offer to trim the trees, but it has a short-term effect before the limbs grow back. Fall off in the wind, and I lose power again. Hmm. Earlier this year, a power outage on the coldest night of the year caused us to have no heat. My personal generator also failed. So when the power was restored, it cost over $4,000 damage due to frozen pipes that burst and then flooded. I spoke and wrote to the electric company to see if they would pay for the cost of repair, but they claim claim they're not responsible for acts of nature. (laughs) It's been going on for 15 years now, and I'm fed up with it. The company refuses to reroute the power lines from the trees, and their answer is to remedy the problem is to trim the trees back, but they never do an adequate job. So, we've lost power over 50 times. Oh,
3: man, what a kick in the balls that is. One
5: time we lost power on Thanksgiving Day, which was cold and windy. We had our fill the problem and I filed a lawsuit. Does any, like, what do I do?
4: So, did I hear that correctly? That they actually filed a lawsuit?
5: Yeah, I guess they filed a lawsuit, but that's all they said.
4: Yeah, I'd love to know how that worked out or what the status that is. And clearly, it sounds like they might even have an attorney working with them, but. Um, you know, I, I guess I don't know the the full answer to this. It would it, it would it would seem to me that we have a contract with our utility providers where you're paying for a service and they have to provide the service in a in a reasonable way and in, in a way that you can rely on. Now, certain things I imagine will be just considered acts of God. They can't control wind storms. They can't control lightning. They can't control uh, some of uh, ice storms. Those types of things that could interrupt service. On the other hand, if service is interrupted. Uh, because of their negligence or their faulty equipment or their their unwillingness or uh, I guess unwillingness rather to fix problems that are obvious like keeping trees trimmed back, et cetera. There may be a claim there. Um, now, I don't know the extent of the liability. It sounds like a breach of contract claim. And just because you lost service, I'm not sure that, that they would be responsible for all the ensuing damage from frozen pipes, et cetera. Um, but maybe at a minimum just the utility fees that you're paying. So I guess this is something that uh, I would be happy to uh, look into and refer you somewhere, but it's an interesting problem, and it really sucks. I mean, losing power regularly, we get so dependent upon it and relying upon it, and, you know, we just think it's always going to work, and if it doesn't, it gets frustrating, and uh, like you, I'd love to know why.
5: Mm, so do you think that, the, like, their service provider needs to do something more? Well, I would think that
4: I would certainly say that the provider has an obligation to provide reliable service. And to the extent they're not, that's a problem. And then the other, the other half of this is most of us don't have a choice. You know, you don't have a choice what utility you, company you're working with. Um, now, recently, there's uh, these aftermarket people that are reselling power, and, you know, that's a different agreement. But um, I think that, I think the utility provider does have an obligation to provide reliable service and uh, they probably have an obligation to trim the trees back and keep the power lines clean in order to provide reliable service. The question then becomes what happens if they don't and what's the liability and what kind of damages can you recover. And that's something that a, an experienced attorney in that type of area is going to have to research for you.
5: After 50 times, I'd try to move, I think. I'm like, I'm done.
4: Yeah, yeah or just, you know, maybe switch to, like, solar or, uh, or just start lighting yeah. fire. All right, right, we have another text
5: This one's from Rachel She said, my mother keeps opening my mail Most of it's stuff from the bank I'm 21 years old, I live at home I've asked her to stop multiple times But she keeps doing it and continues to use the information To harass me I have autism, but I want to make it clear She is no way my legal guardian I'm wondering if it's worth suing
4: Um, I don't think she's going to stop I I don't know if I'm going to touch this one So, uh, is it worth suing your mother Because she's opening the mail well, there's a lot there. I, I would yeah. say probably not. Um, there probably isn't even a lawsuit that you could file that I can think where uh, it, would, it would result in some sort of success. I mean, I, obviously, these are family matters. These are, t- these are difficult and they involve uh, emotional relationships, and that always makes it hard. And as soon as you add, the, add litigation and the justice system into the mix, it's only going to get worse. You know, you live at home and you have autism. I don't know what the extent of that means, but uh, if possible, maybe the the, re, the answer is to move out and try to find uh, different arrangements. And I, I realize that's not always possible. But, boy, I, I feel for you because this is hard on everybody. Um, you know, your mom wants to open the mail. You don't want your mail open. How can you stop it? There's no good answer to that, unfortunately, at least not one that I have. Mm. All right. Well, good luck to you.
5: All right, we, we have a text uh, that says, what is the difference between a temporary protection order and a stay-away order? Is there a difference?
4: Uh, yes. There, it, it, we have to figure out what, first of all, we have to define the term. So generally speaking, a temporary protection order is something that people get when they say you've been a victim of domestic violence and at the first court appearance called an arraignment the judge issues a temporary protection order, and that's a formal order by a judge that says um, the person has to stay away, and it sometimes can even outline specific terms on what all that means. Then uh, if the person doesn't stay away or violates that order, it's a separate offense for violating a protection order. And then there's another sort of type of temporary protection order where you go into court, you file an action in court asking for a civil protection order, and the judge issues one sort of a – a ex parte, meaning all the, the other person's not there and gives you a temporary order until full hearing can happen. And then you start to hear about the general term protection order, and that could mean all sorts of things. It depends on the context. A lot of times what that means is there's a stay away order as a condition of somebody's bond. So if I'm in trouble, I'm out on bond, and while the case is still going on, uh, as a condition of my bond, I'm not allowed to have contact from somebody. We would generally just call that a stay away order. So and and it matters what the difference is, because violating a, a true temporary protection order or civil protection order is a crime. Violating a condition of bond is not by itself a crime. It can result in going to jail because your bond gets revoked, but it's not necessarily a crime. So it's complicated. Those terms are often used generically, and that makes it even more complicated.
5: All right, we have one over here. Um, This person, they said they bought a house with a pool. The purchase was not as is. The seller verbally confirmed the pool is 100% no leakage, great condition. The disclosure never spoke about any issue, he said. So they got the pool inspected. Or no, we did not get the pool inspected. During the home inspection, the pool was covered and seller was not there. Seller did not have pool service. She did it all by herself. After we bought the house and scheduled our pool service, it was discovered there's a huge evaporation, and they did a bucket test. Like, these are pool terms I don't know about, guys. And uh,
3: (laughs) Did a bucket test.
5: The pool pros looked at at it, I guess, and they used red dye to see where it was leaking, and it was leaking in 10 spots. Piping cracked down the drain, skimmer leaking, seller did cheap plumbing herself, they said. Cracked spots in the skimmer with silicone. They said they can't turn on the pump because of this huge water uh, loss. I don't know. We were told this is an ongoing issue, and the seller must have known this for months. Never disclosed to us. Any chance we can get the original owner to pay the $8,000 repair cost?
4: Yeah, there is a chance of that. I mean, uh, I would have to see the real estate contract. A lot of times in real estate contracts, the standard one in Ohio that's used pretty much everywhere, uh, has certain disclosures that are required. And those disclosures often include uh, water issues. There's a bearing water issues that you know about. And it sounds like in this situation, the pool was actually referenced uh, specifically. And if it's in writing that the seller said that there were no leaks that they knew about in the pool, and it is not true, in fact, there were leaks and they had to have known about it, then that could be a cause of action that can get you – uh to, or that can that can get you can collect perhaps from the seller you can file a breach of contract and or even a fraud claim against the seller because one if they knew about it and didn't disclose it that's a problem or if they actually gave false information and you relied on it that could even be a fraud and goes outside the contract or even additional damages this is something that uh, i'm sure there's Experts out there, legally speaking, that deal with this on a more regular basis, real estate attorneys, and uh, there's probably a Dave Goldstein question. I've had another, in fact, a close friend of mine once had an issue, and uh, we were able to work on it and get the contract actually voided in that situation. So there's certainly, this is worth looking into. There's enough money at stake where I think it's it's uh, it's possibly viable, and uh, I would do it. So give us a shout, 614-224-6142. Be happy to type to Dave and, and get you hooked up.
3: All right, there you go. Steve Palmer, our lawyer, could be yours. He's on with us uh, each and every Wednesday. Steve, great to talk to you, man, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds great. Thanks, guys. And uh, you can find Steve, his podcast, his website, all on theblitz.com. Check
1: All right, another uh, Blitz interchange. You know, the, the last one we talked to, the, the pool. First of all, I hate swimming pools. I, I don't ever – my, my wife my wife would, would disown me if I ever said this – well, no, that's not true cuz I have said it out loud. I don't ever want a house that has a pool. She wants to have a house that has a pool. I don't want to have a house that has a pool. I hate them.
0: Their work, especially old ones.
1: It's maintenance. It's you know what they are? It's a pool of money.
0: It's almost like
2: owning a don't boat. Oh, know,
1: man.
0: They've got
2: some pretty good ones. I've got some buddies that got some nice pools, oh, man. They nice. got they got these nice, you know, half above, half below ground pools. Oh, yeah. You know, they're they're fairly easy <laughs> to take care of. Stephen up buying
0: it.
1: Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, when I grew up, we had a pool, and all I remember is sweeping that damn thing every day, backwash, all this, it's just like, it's constant. The the pool guy, the pool guy, the Rambo pool guy was always there doing something. And now that I look back, I know why my dad was always stressed about the damn pool, because it's a money pit. Every time the Rambo guy showed up to do whatever they were doing, it was a bill.
2: Oh, Yeah. No, there there's there's some work involved in. And maybe it. Especially the one a, but the one that you had at your parents house was a nice big in-ground pool, the diving board. and I mean it wasn't a Yeah, it was, it was, it was no 70s. Joke. It was it, the
1: know, 70s super special, man. Yeah, I mean, it, right? That was
0: It literally is like on a boat. Money just keeps going in.
1: Yeah, money goes in and it's you know it, it's it's a pool. But anyway, they got uh, they got a leak in the pool, which doesn't surprise me because pools are big <laughs> we, pools yeah. of water with pipes and I imagine they leak. But when they and bought
2: the house, it was covered. They, you know, you should have known there was something wrong with the pool. The house like, that we
0: bought. It's not like we live in Florida. Right. We have freeze thaw. So, yeah, yeah that's.
2: Yeah, that's going to happen. I, yep. I remember whenever we bought our house, I looked on Google Maps and there was a pool. So the photo was old. And then, you know I mean? So I remember I was like, I asked the, asked the woman. I said, well, we went back to look at the house again because they usually don't, realtors don't like you talking to the owners. They don't like that. Right. And, uh, but she happened to be there on a second visit. And I said, hey, can I ask you, what, 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 something wrong with the pool? Why'd you get rid of the pool? And she was like, oh, if we go out of town, and the neighbors would just come over me swimming in the pool. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was kind of like, man, really? Until I found out that the neighbors were her mom, and, well, the mother-in-law <laughs> and brother. And if you go down a the house, there's a sister, and then it was the other brother. I was like, so these weren't really neighbors. Right. Right. This was, like, yeah. this was Family, And if you had a pool, they were like this. We just got, they had to take care of it. The whole family's using the pool. And they're like, you know what? No. Everybody's right. pool's pass is, is Jumping closed.
0: Off, Jumping off the roof.
2: Yep.
1: No, <laughs> no, we had, I remember going away on a family vacation. Uh, we, I mean, My dad was a teacher, so we had summers. And I remember getting in the, we built this van, this conversion van thing. We drove all the way across the country. And so we were gone a while. I don't know how long now. But I know that the neighbors behind us at one point, or one of the neighbors asked my parents if they could use the pool while we were gone and I remember thinking well yeah that sounds like a reasonable request you know why would we care they wanted to teach their kids how to swim or something and my dad's like no absolutely categorically not now my dad you know he's an attorney so he he understood what that meant that means if somebody drowns in the pool it's going to somehow come back on him
0: well uh, yeah
1: yeah uh, or at least it could
0: yeah for sure and it's a huge liability
1: and it just is, uh, I can just see how that could be a disaster.
0: It's, it's all fun and games until somebody slips and cracks their head
1: open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's rules. It's like trampolines, man. I always tell oh. people. It's like, <laughs> don't. Uh... Somebody told me they got a trampoline one time. In fact, I might have been. It was, I think it was Glenn, I think uh, my accountant. And I was like, I he went over his house he got a trampoline. I was like, get rid of the damn trampoline, man. He was what are you talking about? I just got that thing. I said, get rid of it.
0: I remember when he got that. I said, have you ever watched The Simpsons?
1: <laughs> I don't know the episode you're talking about, but oh, I can only imagine. It's beautiful. All the kids come
0: over, and after like 15 minutes, they all got broken arms, broken legs, are all around the all right. yard, bound up in the springs. <laughs> exactly.
1: Now, now here's a real world scenario that everybody should know about, and I think I've actually discussed this on the air at the Blitz before too. I once had a case, and it was a, it was a, it was a ag vehicular assault. Somebody had uh, was accused of drinking a little bit too much at a Christmas party, maybe one too many martinis. (laughs) Never. Turning out of the country club and uh, got in an accident. And it was uh, somebody was hurt badly, like brain damage. And it was a, I think it was a surgeon who was hurt. And it was was a horrible case. And uh, we were trying to get it resolved. And and obviously my client felt horrible about the accident, whether whether it was alcohol or not, you know, you never feel good about that kind of thing. And we go to check on the insurance coverage negatory no umbrella coverage canceled right. he had a trampoline and didn't tell his insurance company and uh they had canceled his insurance or found out or something something along the lines of a trampoline screwed up the case in a big way and uh it, the, so whenever somebody says they got a trampoline or a pool or whatever i said call your insurance company right now they're like what are you talking about like tell them you got a freaking trampoline yeah. well why would i do that then they're going to charge me more
0: like, yeah yeah for Duh. a reason
1: <laughs> right right I've got this big liability in my backyard where people can get hurt, break their neck, and die. Yep. I just don't want to pay you know, I just want to avoid paying a couple hundred extra bucks a month.
2: My neighbor has two trampolines. Oh, you they have two. And I remember jump from one to the and, other. And oh we get some God. we get some heavy wind out there in Johnstown. I remember one storm was rolling through and it picked this trampoline up. Oh, yeah. And I mean and it really? flew. It went, went out in the cornfield. And <laughs> I remember it's I was like, gonna Dorothy, get out a drone. Dorothy. Dorothy. I mean,
0: as it, as
1: it flew along, I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> All right, we got the Simpsons up. The ex-checker's got the Simpsons up on the screen here.
0: <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> oh!
1: <laughs> well, and that's what happens, right? That's and, exactly what happens. And you know, there's so many. <laughs> so, I've heard of people breaking leg. It's like everybody's got a story. And, right. You know, the, I think somebody even on in my buddy's trampoline came down right one leg on either side of the springs. There, bad scenario. Oh, bad scenario. Yeah. And then worse, people get used ones. You know, I've had people like I go and they got this clunker in their back. And I was like, at least get a new one, man. Yeah, but those are expensive. Like, (laughs) you know, it just is, uh, it doesn't make any sense. But don't get a trampoline. Don't get a pool. Maybe get a pool if you want a pool. My, I got friends that got pools, and they are nice. And Now,
2: if you were, like, with the first collar and you had the trampoline, you could probably jump up and trim the branches. You probably, oh, yeah. That's so that, get that get,
0: Gettysburg on Simpsons right there. Getty, children Gettysburg <laughs> after they cut a trampoline.
1: Yeah, so what's the, what's the moral of the story? Yeah, no trampolines unless right? you're going to trim your trees. So it is an interesting question, though. It's like I've had, uh, I remember my dad one time, the cable kept going out at his house. Now, we, you know, out it, it, there's still people that remember the days when not everybody could get cable. And it wasn't always the case that you could just have cable. And I, remember, I was just
2: able to get cable a couple of years ago. Yeah.
1: And that's how it was in my dad's house, too. And he finally gets cable. And man, he was grouchy about it. If there was ever a break, like it would drive him crazy if the service would go out and it kept going out. And finally, he just, he threatened us I don't know if he actually filed a lawsuit or threatened to sue him, and uh, he had kept track of the downtime of the service and got, re- and he, uh, he probably still does, and got reimbursed for all the downtime he was paying for. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. There's a contract. They agreed to provide service. They haven't, and uh, that's that. And people are like, oh, come on, man. It's just part of it. And it's like, well, if you don't pay your bill, what are they going to do?
2: Cut it off, right? They're right. going
1: to cut you off. That's right. Same with electric. Now, they're, they're the first people to, uh, cut you off you don't pay the bill, phone company, electric company. So here we go. It says electric utilities are responsible for trimming trees. So we got this up on the screen here. Yeah. Utility companies are responsible for trimming the trees. They're required to do so by the National Electrical Safety Code, the NESC, which has been adopted in most states. I'm not sure about Ohio. Uh, and it's important to note that property owners may also have some responsibility for trimming trees. Well, that tells you nothing, but uh, it says not maybe- yeah, a, I know
0: from personal experience with AEP. So they actually uh, subcontract out their uh, tree trimming services. They have some crews that do specific lines, but like the guys that came through and, and just torched my trees, they do it per AEP specs.
1: Well, oh, so and they
0: shred them up and they shred them. Yeah, they they're they're, they're not arborists. Oh my
2: <laughs> god, no.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what's interesting about it is this: is that the, we just see the National Electric Safety Code, which is like who the hell knows what that is. And it's like uh, there's a national electric code, too, but then individual states can adopt whatever version of that they want, and that could become state law. It couldn't become state law. So whatever happened to good old – this is my beef against this kind of stuff. Like good old-fashioned contract law ought to take care of this. I have a contract with my power company. They are supposed to provide power. As part of that contract, it should be spelled out who takes care of the trees. I
0: believe it does.
1: The liability should be stated in there, and you don't need any sort of national (laughs) code. To discern that for you, so the first place to start with any of these things like cable, power, water, whatever it is, is the contract. There's a document somewhere you signed. Didn't a number of years yeah. ago
2: here in Ohio, AEP got fined because they hadn't been trimming trees. We had a ice storm that came through and took down. That we had we had massive power outage, and I remember it. We had it out there in Johnstown, but and they got I they always fined or if somebody sued them. I know that they paid a penalty. For not trimming tr- enough trees, to where branches were freezing and
0: falling, and breaking lines. Yeah, and so, that's why they just completely just decimated. Yes. they they just destroyed my pine yeah, trees. Right,
2: right yeah, right after right after that came through and they got hit. They were like this: All right, go cut the trees. Yep. All right, take oh, all of them.
1: You want your trees cut? Got it taken care of. Right, and yeah, you know, I remember I had that property up here, Perrysville, and we had a co-op. It wasn't uh, AEP. It was like I forget what the name of the co-op was. Yeah energy co-ops who I've got and it was um, I didn't like any of the concept of the co-op but anyway it was like they would come in and they had to trim the they kept the power lines Uh, there was an easement they had and they kept the power lines uh, through my property and man they left shit behind every time I mean it was a mess every time they come through and I had to come back and clean it all up and it it drove me nuts and then the other thing people think I I was sitting out there one night about midnight or 11 o'clock at night or something like that and I hear this loud roar like, what is going on? And down right in the heart of my property are about four or five dudes on side by sides, quads, and four wheels or whatever. And uh, and they're driving right down the cut, right down the power line cut. The and they said, and I said, I stopped him, waved my hand, stopped him, like, what you boys up to? Oh, we're just driving here. It was like, yeah, you're on my land here, man. Well, no, this is the easement. You know, this is the power line easement. And it was like this quiet. I looked at him like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, it's an easement on my land. They get to use it. You don't. So there's this notion somehow that people have that, well, if it's on the power line cut, then I can just go there. I can go on their easement. And so it's, uh, that's not true either. So what's the moral of the story? Uh, I don't know. That's the moral of the story. I would, I would have to look into more of the circumstances for that person. And it was only a text and it's always hard because they said they actually had a lawsuit filed in, I would want to know what the status of that is. Um
4: you know,
0: <clears throat> what what is this, Steve? In urban areas like Central Ohio, a tree owner may also be liable for damage if they, if they have constructive notice of a weekend tree. What the heck is weekend that? Weekend
1: tree. So here's what's going on here. Oh, let's week- say, yeah, let's say we have that's, a I know weekend is like that, spelled like weekend.
0: Yeah, that's weird.
1: Um and in the W E yeah that's not spelled correct.
2: Okay, okay. are we missing an A? Yeah,
1: weakened. W E A K E N. Yeah, that's weakened not tree. But right. uh, anyway, it' should, here's what they're saying: is if you have a tree that you know is about to fall and it's near a power line and you don't do anything about it, uh, you have constructive notice. So constructive notice is an interesting concept in law. It's like this is like everybody says you know or should know about a problem. Constructive notice would be like. Um, you see a big, uh, uh, or you say it's a dead tree and, uh, it's dead enough and looks unstable enough that anybody reasonably looking at that would say that tree is about to fall on that power line. You better do something about it. But apparently this
0: doesn't hold true for politicians because I would imagine that constructive notice would say that every business is essential. And if they shut it down, there's going to be grave consequences. All right, we're not
1: going to go there right now. But it's Well, reason. it's funny, here's how, how, here's it's funny how
0: we're supposed to know this stuff, but yet when they do it, and again, we didn't vote for half these guys, it's okay. And they can just screw us. And,
1: well, but what they, if it's
2: my weekend tree? It's, <laughs> like, it's like, that's not a weekend tree. Uh, to I, only that's that's that, like,
1: I use that tree on Saturdays and right. Sundays. That's That's a weekend that's tree. That's my weekend <laughs> tree. Yeah, that's, the, that's just the tree that, uh, that I put my swing on on the weekends. Right. Yes. So now, know or should know is an interesting concept. Like, there's, we talk about constructive possession. We talk about constructive knowledge. Like, all you should be able to connect the dots and come up with the answer and then do something about it. Or, like, maybe in this pool case, well, I didn't know it was leaking. It had Weekend, 10 leaks. Weakened, leaking. I didn't know it was leaking. Well, you knew that you had to put 10 gallons of water in it every day you should have known I that there was a leak.
0: Was a, I thought it was evaporating. I man. thought it was yeah. evaporation. I mean,
2: I mean yeah. so you know, we, it's setting out here. If you put a glass of water, it evaporates. Right,
1: that would be constructiveness. And this is, you know, <clears> people <throat> always say this, well, I can always just say that it was evaporating and I didn't know. It's like, yeah, what you're really saying is you can always just lie. <laughs> you can always just lie right. and make no, up no, Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: I've already got a lie ready. Right, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And, yeah. And,
0: yeah. Right here in the bank. Well, yeah. and that's a simple calculation. We can calculate evaporation. That's a simple calculation. And if you do set your freaking glass out there, it's like, yeah, it's not going to be half gone in In an an hour. hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes (laughs) a long time. If you have appreciable freaking uh, drop in the level of the pool, yeah, pretty sure it's leaking. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like you buy a car and you say, how are the tires? They're all oh, they're fine. And then you look at it and there's like 10 plugs in them. Well, they're fine for about a minute, and then they're going to start leaking again. So right. you should know. Like you have to put air in the tire every time you get in the car. There's probably a leak. Now, you could say, you can always just say, well, I didn't know there was a leak. I just thought that's how tires were. But the law is not going to let you get away with that. Now, as far as what the government does, uh, you know, are they held to the same standard? Yeah. Eh. This is why I, th- I always shudder when the government gets involved in private affairs like this, because they are not, I mean, they're not spending their own dollars. They're spending your own dollars and there's a whole different incentive structure there. So that's, um, that's the problem. And I, you know, I dare you to go try to sue the government. You go up to the court of claims or court right. of no claims and uh, where the same rules don't apply. And so it's a, it's a grift. That's what I was getting at. It's a grift for sure. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the pool person, has a little bit of um, has a claim. I think the tree person. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to know more. You'd yeah, have to yeah, know yeah, more yeah, on that one. That you one's... would,
0: and there should be a contract between the electrical service company and whoever trims it. So, and I guarantee you, if it's AEP, they'll go after their contractor.
1: Yeah, but that's a the, so th- <clears throat> you brought up a whole other interesting concept. So, if I hire or if I enter into an agreement with AEP, and AEP says I'm going to provide service. And part of providing service means you got to keep the trees reasonably trimmed back to not interfere with the power lines. Then AEP then goes to Jared and said, Hey, Jared, you got a tree, you got a chainsaw over there and a nice big dually. Why don't you go? I'm going to hire you to do my tree trimming. Now, Jay over here, who hired me, I'm AEP. I hired and contracted with Jared. Here's the issue Does Jared have the right to sue, or does Jay have the right to sue Jared? Can can somebody do that? Now, Jared or Jay is a third party beneficiary of my AEP contract with Jared so I get to sue Jared if the tree trimming gets screwed up because we have an agreement and Jay gets to sue me because I have an agreement right. with him but can Jay sue Jared and the answer is maybe so if you're a and then then if you're a third party beneficiary of a contract like that, it is not always clear that you can sue, jared but you can go right up the chain you can go to right. me and then i got to go to jared i am responsible to you and jared's responsible to me and that's right. how it works right then it, let's say that- well so
0: here's here's what happened like in my house so they were doing my trees and i had a uh, pine tree that was about 70 foot real close to the property line i didn't feel com- comfortable dropping it myself because it was also right near my power line so i actually off book contracted Chicken. with uh the guys that were doing the trees for a case of beer.
1: Give <laughs> be me a case of beer if you <laughs> fell this tree. <laughs> to take
0: down that tree. And they did it really well. Yeah. Well. It, and then they trimmed up my other trees, and so uh, I actually paid them 100 bucks, 100 and, bucks and uh, a case of beer. Yeah.
1: Did you give them Natty Light?
0: Good to go. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact. It was either Natty or Bush Light, one or the other. Yeah.
1: So just to finalize the, the legal point, um, there's a concept called privity of contract. I have privity of contract in that example with Jay. I have privity of contract as AEP with Jared, but Jay has no privity of contract with Jared. They are separated, so it's not uh, it's not clear that Jared or Jake can sue Jared. Now, what I right. sometimes can do is the the guy in the middle can assign the rights to sue Jared over to somebody else, and then you have what's called an assumption agreement, which we don't even need to go into, but. If I say, all right, I'm going to sign my legal rights over to you. Here's a document that says so. Uh, and let's say I can do that without breaching my contract with Jared, which doesn't prevent that. Now you now you can sue him on my behalf as if you're gotcha. in my shoes. So anyway, that's the, gotcha. that's like uh bar exam law, man. I remember that. God knows how, but I do. Oh well, man. Yeah. Privy of contract. Yeah, there right there. It's common law principle which provides a contract cannot confer rights or impose obligations on uh, upon any person who is not, not a party, party to the, the contract,
0: contract. Right. There you go. Yeah. That's so. It. Jared and I don't necessarily have. We don't have a contract. So you know, yeah, yeah. There's no line no. between us. Now, when I subcontracted him to do, you know, without any paper, just on a handshake for a case of beer and a hundred bucks, um, in my mind, I took on the liability. Like if he crashed, smashed my neighbor's fence, I'd pay my neighbor, or I'd fix it for him.
1: Yeah. Now, that type of stuff. Now, here's the problem when you do stuff like that on the side. Those guys who you hired probably don't carry their own independent insurance. They don't carry their own uh, well, they bonds.
0: Would, they would have to with AAP Well, I got you,
1: to- but they're not not when they're doing side work for no, you. No, correct. Yeah yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I understood that when, you know, I watched them for a week take down the tree. So I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure they can do this one okay. So okay. and that's a risk I was willing to take. Um, because yeah, no way, dude, there's no, so it was top heavy. Um, it didn't have any bottom branches. It looked like a Dr. Seuss tree and you know, it would just sway like this. And I'm like, dude, I've, I've felled a bunch of trees in my time, did a bunch in the army. And I'm like, no, that's too close to a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not going to do that. So they actually got up there and chopped it, you know, chopped the top off, lanyard it. So it didn't fall anywhere. They had all the equipment and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, um, no, it's it's a tricky thing to, uh, taking trees down. Oh. I know there's a lot. Of, look, I've taken my fair share of trees down, and it always uh, scares me a little bit. You know, chain, um, chainsaws are
0: one of my pastimes is watching YouTube tree fails. <laughs> you need a better pastime,
1: man. You need a better pastime. Yeah. Um, so
0: epic tree fails. Oh,
1: I guess what I would say to these people is this: like that. The, yeah. <laughs> you you probably you, the the lawsuit on the power company. Talk to your lawyer. Uh, if, if you're having power company issues, start with a contract, and that's probably true with any utilities. So, anyway, you know what else uh, on my on my trip? I I took a we were down in Biloxi, Mississippi, which is a really cool place, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, there's an Air Force base down there, white beaches, lots of casinos. I didn't play one hand of cards. I didn't what I didn't, really? I didn't gamble. You know why? I went to Mississippi thinking no masks because they they had lifted their mask. Man, right. the hotel required it, and I could not think of anything less. Uh, painful than sitting through like a long stint at a blackjack table wearing a mask
0: yeah oh yeah.
1: yeah it's like it just would have been miserable and then then if you do have a fear like look i'm not a i'm not a covid fanatic but if you do have a fear of germs i would think that the touching the chips oh it's like that's like yeah, yeah. i don't i never like that <clears throat> that always makes me feel that's something you don't like to think about but is a cool place went over though and about an hour and a half from New Orleans, we drove over and saw the World War two museum. you guys ever been there no, no not it's 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 uh housed in the old Higgins boat factory Higgins boat was oh the, is it really uh, yeah
0: those are the flat bottom boat guys that
1: yeah, yeah they were they're oh. the ones that uh they're the ones that uh, built the boats for the beach landings but yeah anybody's never if you've never done that, you should go do it you should go do it and I think it's very relevant politically these days because the the thing that struck me about that uh museum is those boys, and I say boys, were, were they were citizens. They were just people in the country who were called up. Most of them, many of them, I, I don't know what the majority is, but they were happy just to go sign up on their own, were shipped overseas, and lost their lives to fight. And they did it in a way that, I mean, it really, it is nothing short of remarkable what they did and how they did it. And, uh, it, it was what, what struck me is this thought. And we've sort of talked a little bit about this is that they, you know, Hitler and the rest of Europe, they thought, well, these Americans are going to come over here. They're weak. They're just, you know, these, these, they have freedom. Freedom makes you weak. (coughs) Freedom makes you, you know, we're not scared of them. They're not even going to be able to fight they you know, they're not going to be tough. They're not going to be anything. And, uh, we were what they call now citizen soldiers where, you know, you're just, you're working your job as a teacher or whatever. You're not a pro. You've never been in the military. And, you know, next thing you know, you're wearing a uniform and getting shipped on a boat over to Africa. You're in North Operation Africa. Torch, That's right. And uh, you're going to fight the war. And it turns out that uh, we had a short learning curve of how to fight. And once we learned it, our military was, was phenomenal. We were well equipped. Uh, and we were uh, creative. We didn't, uh, and this is what I think is the most fascinating to me, is that we weren't stuck. With the rigid chain of command. Now, Jay, you were in the military, but yep. we in, one of the fascinating things we weren't stuck with the rigid chain of command as the Germans were.
0: That was the biggest thing that won the war for the Allies. Yeah, even even the English were stuck in dogma. No, our guys are keep moving forward and keep keep going towards the goal. Yep. And no matter what.
1: And and we were we were more like, all right. So there's a problem, boys our tanks aren't getting through these hedgerows. So why don't we grab some of these steel structures that the Germans put on the beach to, uh, to try to hold us back at the landing, weld them to the front of our tanks. And then we can plow (laughs) through the hedgerows. And what's amazing about that is it makes perfect sense to us. We don't even, we sort of take it for granted. Oh yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? And it turns out the Germans wouldn't have done it. They would have needed permission from like 30 people up the chain of command to do that.
0: Well, the Germans completely botched D-Day. Oh yeah, they, totally. They, they they would not move their tanks into position because uh, who was it? The Rommel, field marshal
1: Rommel was in Berlin. He
0: was in Berlin on birthday or something. Yep. And he wouldn't. He they wouldn't go against uh, his command or whatever. Yep. So So it's completely rigid chain of command.
1: Yeah. No. It's uh, it it is uh, it's a remarkable story how all that happened. Yep. And And the American ingenuity that resulted in. Our victory in World War II by dudes who were just off the farms, yeah, just out of their jobs and I mean,
0: volunteered. And actually, and you know, you're 16, and they and they lied, said they're 18.
1: Yeah, and then you know, it, it actually brought me to tears. I told my boys afterwards. We went to lunch somewhere in New Orleans, and or as dinner actually, but uh, I was like, you know, they were just dudes. They were just citizens. Yeah. And then after the war, they just went back to their jobs. Right. That, that was it. That there was, was like, no help. There's no freaking It's like all right, now I'm a teacher today. I'm going to go fight in the Ardennes. Yeah. And then tomorrow I'm going to go back to being a teacher. Yeah. Now they were screwed up for a generation, but yeah. you know, psychologically. But uh no, it's a remarkable story and it's um it it shows you what our country is willing to do or was willing to do and we'll see if it still is to to preserve freedom and 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 the way of life that we love. And it's like if we're going to have Everybody says this, like I'm afraid, our, like our country's gone soft. Our country's this, and the kids these days, and everything else. I always disagree with them. I say, you know what? Though our country, in, in times that it needs to, has always woken up or awakened.
0: We'll say awakened. It. I hate the word woke.
1: I know we've always awakened and uh, and and risen to the cause. And I think I think this is no different. We did it in 1771. When did when did we start? 1776 probably yeah. is when it really started to yeah. happen. Uh, nobody wanted to fight that war, but then they did. We did it in 1812. We did it uh, time in World War One and Two. It's like, all right, so we'll do it when we need to, but not until. And uh, hopefully, the slide hasn't gone too far. And that was the, my takeaway from
0: it. And what was the Boston Tea Party about? A two percent hike in taxes?
3: I,
2: actually, it was about people that uh, were were uh, smugglers. Greed. It was greed. See, they friend. were they were smugglers, and what they didn't like was the fact that they were actually they wanted to keep the smuggling lines open. Right. Nothing wrong with that <laughs> like' the, preserve the black
1: market tea trade we're gonna see that in the weed trade maybe now we're gonna have like a uh we're gonna have like a Columbus or an Ohio weed party we're gonna go burn all the all the uh medical marijuana so the black market's preserved <laughs> but uh no so the World War, anybody who has any doubts about whether they should go to the World War II museum the answer is you shouldn't you should go you should go immediately and you should spend more than one day so my takeaway on it is. It's uh for 33 bucks, whatever it is, you can get entrance into the museum and access to like their 4D movie. You Dude, know
0: do that? they, that's a P-51 Mustang and a B-24 hanging from the ceiling.
1: Yeah, they got a whole aircraft Dude, that area. is
0: sweet. And it looks like a Corsair maybe?
1: Yeah, they got, that's a it's a neat place. Wow. So at, for 33 bucks, you get the 4D movie and you get access to all the exhibits. And I would recommend highly that you get... For seven bucks more, you get a second day. And I would do it this way. So anybody listening, you heard it here first, right on Lawyer Talk in Ohio. Uh, If you go the first day, do the 4D thing, you sign up for a time to do that, and pick one or the other. Either pick the continental side exhibits or the Pacific. And on day two, add. uh, here's probably what I would do. I would do The 4D movie day one, I would do the Pacific side day two, or uh, day one. And then on day two, I would do the continent side, and I would also include, there's like a pre-war thing, like we didn't want to go fight, and what got us into the war, plus there's a separate D-Day exhibit. I would do all those on day two, because it's too exhausting to do in one day. It's like one of those where you get through it, and you're just like, I I was buzzing through exhibits. I wasn't reading, and I wanted to. I wanted to see more, and I was just too tired, and I had the kids with me. So it's worth every penny you pay. In fact, I went to Graceland and it was like a hundred bucks. I went there to World War II. It was like 33.
0: All right. So I'm just looking online here and just scrolling through the events and their little pictures. Holy cow. That's awesome.
1: It is. It is like the Smithsonian for World War II. That is sweet. Phenomenal. And if you can go there and not get choked up about what our country did in that war, then shame on you. So, that's my uh, that's my take. That's your spring break take. Dude. That's my spring break take. Right there you by back.
0: you to the battlefield, man. Yep. Higgins.
1: Yeah, Higgins Boat Factory. Pretty cool stuff, for now, sure.
0: Now, they weren't comfortable to ride in. That's why everybody was puking on the way over, because it was rough.
1: Well, it was rough.
0: Horrible. But they didn't get hung up on the shoals, and that was the problem.
1: No, they didn't. They just got shot as soon as the doors dropped.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there's that.
1: But, um, yeah, pretty cool stuff. So that's um
0: Well, not to mention the guys that jumped out and scaled those cliffs. Uh, My to, God, they didn't have North Face gear on, I can tell you that.
1: Yeah, point to Hawk. they It, was, they had a it was
0: can canvas fatigues and freaking crappy leather boots and, and their know, bare hands.
1: You know the fatigues. I didn't know this until I was there and I've read a lot about World War II. They had their, their, their pants were treated with like some anti chemical gas thing. So they're like these stiff
0: the stiffest. They're a like horrible, canvas. They're like.
1: But they were can't. But they were more than that. They were, they were treated with something to make it be more. And you know heavy. why?
0: That's a holdover from World War One.
1: Yeah, it was all they were worried about gas.
0: Right. Even though it was outlawed, they were still worried about it because there was a bunch of rumors going around. And actually, uh, Hitler had bunkers and huge freaking production facilities of gas. Oh, huge. I don't, doubt
1: it. I don't doubt we did either. And
0: um, so what I've heard and read is that he had it. He could have deployed it, and he didn't. Because he thought, even he thought it was too freaking awful.
1: Well, he had experienced it, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but uh sort of interesting and uh, well worth the trip. Uh, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Absolutely. So, in other news, the other thing I wanted to, I wanted to talk about uh, again here is the Shavin trial is underway. Have we seen that?
2: I did yesterday. I saw they uh, picked the jury. What they got? To drop one of the alternates off uh, to today or tomorrow. They're going to get it down to because I think right now they got like they have fifteen which I was like, that's a weird number. And then, uh, so now it's going down to, is it 14?
1: Yeah, had, so you, we would normally pick, tw- in Ohio, you'd pick 12, and then you'd pick a, an indeterminate, maybe depending upon what you got going on, number of alternates. So if something happens in the midst of it, you got somebody who can step in. And the alternates will generally get to sit through the whole trial, um, but then they get dismissed upon deliberation. Yep. They don't get to participate in deliberation, which would suck.
2: You'd go that whole you'd be you would run that whole route and be like this. Then you get the cliffhanger. Right. And they're like this, yeah. Well,
1: you can stick around if you want and see what happens. So then, then you're like, Well sh- do I go to work or do I just stick around and wait? How long is it gonna be? And it's like, Yeah, welcome to my world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how long it's gonna be. But no, they uh that's underway. I, I remember we we've talked about this before. I remember the first question I asked when I um when that hit the news was I texted it to the beard. I remember. He goes, you see this? And I said, I know it's awful. I wonder what the cause of death is. And he, it's like he didn't like that question. A lot of people didn't like that question at that time. And I said, I wonder what the cause of death is. And then I had one more question. I wonder if it was because of racism. And I got those kind of crickets. And what I, what I was asking as an attorney, you know, like doing defense work for 25 years, is if you're going to charge somebody with murder, you've got to prove that they caused the death. And that video, to me, didn't make it obvious that, that whatever Chauvin did was the sole cause of death, even if it were a any cause of death. And that, my assessment was based on different reasons, but primarily because, you know, Floyd was actually verbal and talking through part of that, and it didn't look like anything changed after he stopped. Like the force used on his neck didn't look like it changed in a way that would have uh, choked him out after. So in other words, if you can breathe, if you can talk, you can breathe. That's the old saying. Like if somebody's choking, I remember that mm-hmm. from like, if somebody's choking and they're talking to you, don't give them the Heimlich, <laughs> right? They, they can breathe. Right. If they're, if they're choking and they can't talk, well now you got to worry about it. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can talk, you can breathe. So that's like, it, it wasn't obvious to me that, uh, that he was choked to death. So I wondered what killed him. I was like, did he have a heart attack? Is it stress? Is it, is there a stroke? Like what happened here? And, um, and that turns out to be one of the, that's going to be the significant issue in the case. And then the other question is, I wonder if it was because of racism. Because to me, it's easy to say it, but in our world, in my court world, you got to take that crap into a courtroom and prove it. And, and you know, what you're looking for are text messages or prior conduct or anything the guy said before, during or after that would have said he hates a certain race, you know, or hates black people and wants to kill them or whatever. Like that makes it easy, but... You know, just because one, somebody's one race and you know, somebody's the other race and there's a crime, it's not automatically true in a courtroom anyway that it's because of racism. So those are the two big questions. And the reason I wanted to know those questions is because of what I fear is going, maybe not even fear, but what I, well, it is what I fear is going to happen. The prosecutor has perhaps overreached in this case. They have perhaps chosen a crime that maybe doesn't fit the conduct uh, for emotional political, other reasons. Uh, And what, in, in my experience, defending murder cases and criminal cases for years, that is one of the primary reasons I can win. It's like, you have, you have bit off more than you can chew, Mr. Prosecutor. And this is my favorite theory of any criminal defense. And that's not fair. This guy is an asshole. This guy is dirty. He's rotten. He did bad things. But this isn't fair. They have done too much. They're accusing him of something he didn't do, and it's on them now. They can't prove it, and it's not fair.
2: And they were under pressure.
1: I remember people in the media, everybody's coming like, "Why haven't they charged him? Why haven't mm-hmm. they
2: charged him?" It's like because that's a slippery slope. If they go, and, and then it's like, "Why did they only charge him with this?" Yeah. <clears throat> and they wanted the full extent of the charge, and it's like you're, you, like you say, you're buying enough more than you can chew. You want to be able to grab what you can win at.
1: And it's not just that, and it, it, that's exactly right, but as you were saying, I was thinking to myself, and there's more to it than that, it, it's that you don't want the government trying to prove stuff that didn't happen. You now, If you don't have the evidence for it, you don't want them taking that crap into a and because sometimes you lose or sometimes you win or whatever it is, the results aren't fair. And it, it's like you, you it shouldn't be that uh, it's not, I guess I'm saying this, it's not just that you've bitten off more than you can chew. It is that you shouldn't have taken that bite at all. Uh-huh. It's like it, it, it's 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 against the law, damn it! You can't you can't charge somebody and indict them and prosecute them for crap uh, that is politically desirable but not supported by the facts of the law. And and ultimately, what this does is that it perverts justice in a way that that is bad for everybody. Because let's play this out. If I'm trying this case on behalf of Shalvin. My argument's going to be, folks, we all know what happened in this case. We all saw the news. It's impossible to ignore the, the, the aftershocks of this incident. It's impossible to ignore what we saw on TV, what we saw on our own streets, right outside the courthouse door here, the windows that were broken, the political outrage that we heard, the backlash, the cries for justice, the cries for mob justice. This is the hue and cry of the mob, ladies and gentlemen. This is what happens when you let the mob decide the law. This is what happens when the mob tells the government what it should do, irrespective of what the facts are, what the law, irrespective of them, Mr. Prosecutor over here, making his own decision about what to charge, irrespective of what they know they can prove. See, when we come into a courtroom, we don't talk about mob justice. When we come into a courtroom, we talk about facts, we talk about law, and we talk about those things because That's what makes our system better than the ones that we hate. That's what makes our system work. That's what helps us. That's what helps you, ladies and gentlemen, when your neighbor accuses you of a crime that you didn't commit and convinces a prosecutor to prosecute you that's what protects us and if we let that go even in this case if we let that go in the worst of cases if we let that go for any reason at all then it's gone forever it doesn't come back it's not there when you need it it's not there when your neighbor needs it. it's not there when your son needs it when your daughter needs it when your family needs it or any other citizen of our country needs it and if we're willing to let it go just to get a conviction because the mob wants it just to get a conviction just to say that he did this because it sounds good politically then we are giving up more than just this case we are giving up our system Now, I gave you that speech because that's what has happened here. That's what the evidence showed you. You didn't hear one shred of evidence that Chauvin did this because George Floyd was a certain race. You didn't hear one shred of evidence that Chauvin did this because he hated black people. You didn't hear one shred of evidence that that he had the purpose to kill that day that they have chosen to charge him with. That's right. You didn't hear it. Nobody said those things. You did not one witness you saw a video that's awful, that's offensive. Nobody wants to see it twice, frankly. I mean, it's one of those things where, when you see it, you, you almost you have to cringe and close your eyes and look away because if you've seen it once, you don't want to see it again. And all that's true. But it's not our fault that they have chosen to prosecute a crime that Mr. Chapman didn't commit. It's not our fault that, that they have taken on a political burden and brought it into this courtroom and tried to turn the justice system upside down to subvert their own burden of proof, to say, we're gonna, pr- we're gonna say he did this because that's what sounds good publicly. And if you're, And if you're willing to do that, if your government is willing to do that, if they're willing to bring that into this courtroom, then what are they willing to do for the rest of these charges in this indictment? What are they willing to do for even the lowest charges? Where does it end and where does it stop if it doesn't stop now, if it doesn't stop here? See, we don't get to check at the door like the media does, this notion of beyond a reasonable doubt, this notion of being presumed innocent despite what the angry mob says. We don't get to check that at our courtroom door. And rest assured, you want that the next time you're coming into the justice system. It's justice for everybody, ladies and gentlemen, and that includes Mr. Shalvin over here. And if you doubt the main charge, and if you doubt the one below that and the one below that, then you got to doubt it all. That would be. That's how I would argue this case, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. Now, guess what happens if? And who knows how it comes out? But what happens when it's when it's not guilty?
0: Wow. Well, right, and that's what everybody's scared of.
1: Two things happen. Two things happen if it's not guilty. One, it it's it's. There's going to be rioting. There's going to be another round of chaos, and it's going to be awful. And maybe maybe several things. And then and then two to the extent that chauvin committed a crime whether it's assault or whether it's a uh, unlawful force or some uh something bigger or something less than murder he could walk from that and that's a perversion of justice it's like uh it, it it's like it, the the unintended consequences of this uh, of a show trial are are, are pretty extreme and that's that's what pisses me off about it. Whenever, whenever prosecutors choose to indict and charge and take on these kind of things because it sounds politically great, um, and, they, and they're really saying this is what I want it to be, so I'm gonna charge it and I'm gonna make it so, and it's not so, and they don't have the facts, they don't have the law, and they don't have the evidence. So now you've got a possibility of an acquittal with rioting, um, with a situation where a guy could walk away even from the crimes he did commit, if he did, uh, and then the next time you come into a courtroom the system is that much more screwed up when you need it. So that's my. You can sing the battle. Well, there's the there's more to come. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure
2: there's updates on this case that will be here to come. I mean, they're already boarding businesses, are already closing down and boarding up. You know, what I mean, they're getting yeah. ready for it. And I think that that's absolutely horrible. That that people would do that to other people's property and businesses and livelihoods. I just, right. I I, it, I find it very offensive.
1: Yeah. So you, and that's that, that's what it is. Like in, in an effort to to get justice you lose justice, you know, it's like, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't add up. So, and what I mean by causation of death, I should probably go back and explain this is, is there are, as I understand it, there are expert reports that would peg the cause of death to a drug overdose. Um, and I don't know what, I don't know what the evidence contrary to that is. And then you get into this weird realm of multiple causation so would he have died, it's, it's, I guess the best way to say it is in law or in logic, there's something called but for causation. In other words, but for the fact that, the, that somebody did this, this would or would not have happened. It, it, that sort of describes a single cause, but it's not, so, it's not so clear in law. Causation is a more complicated issue. And you have to, just because there's multiple causes, doesn't mean that you couldn't be responsible for murder. On the other hand, if one of those other causes uh, is what actually caused the death, and what you did what you did did not cause the death well then you 're not responsible for murder. you may have committed other crimes, it might even be an attempted murder, it might be something else, but this is uh, this is going to be the problem. i
2: that 's what I thought uh, the attempted murder charge was the one that I, I felt that they should have gone with that one right there was the one that could have stuck, I think.
1: I you know just, I, I just on on. a jury
2: I know you take it on okay. but but I'm just saying on a jury end I think that there would be more with everything that's going on now that they would be able to get him on I mean we'll see what happens we'll see you never we, know. I
1: mean we we don't know you you do
2: not know what's going to
1: happen you do not know but you're right so an attempted murder you could see a jury saying well look you probably didn't intend to kill you it was called an attempt because it sounds good and it sounds like you're doing something yep um, I can also see it argued in a way like I just argued like man if they'd just charged him with excessive force or something we'd have convicted him on that. Correct. You know, and, and sometimes the right thing is just that. You know, sometimes the right thing is the right thing. And, and it's if it's not a murder, then they wanted to make it what it wasn't. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is evidence that he has that he did this with some sort of hate crime racial animus. Uh, maybe there's evidence that that he wouldn't have done it except for the color of somebody's skin. I don't think so, though. And I'm not saying the guy's a racist. I'm not saying he's not. I don't know. I haven't seen the evidence of it. Um, To me, it just looked like a cop who was on somewhat of a little uh, power trip um, when he was being told to to do this or that or back off or whatever. It's like, you're not going to be tell me to do nothing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Now, it's bad. I mean, that's a bad, 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 bad thing. But it may not be an intentional murder. And in fact, probably isn't. Now, he may get convicted of it, but it, it just, from the evidence that I have heard and seen and looked at, and I haven't done a deep dive, but I've done this long enough to know what what's probably out there. So uh, you're going to hear coroner reports that say he was a drug overdose, there was a fentanyl overdose, and this is a, a cause of death that happens a lot with people who are in that situation. And I think one coroner even said that if he had, if they just walked into his house and he was dead, they would have called it a fentanyl death. Um... So then, the question is: Did the asphyxiation, did the knee on the neck, do anything to either accelerate it, to uh, cause it, or was it a contributing cause? It gets real blurry in that mess. It gets really blurry, and uh, you know, then and even if it did, you have to factor in the other part of crime, which is intent. So you have to have two things: you have to have uh, you have to have the intent, and you have to have the act. And even if you do have a causation act, was it intentional? And what level of intent is required? So recklessness, for sure, maybe like reckless is different than purpose. Um, negligent, for sure. Now those aren't the big crimes that everybody wanted, and that's I don't think they took those on. So we shall see. Anyway, uh, enough of my George Floyd predictions. Um, a couple, of, we probably you know we'll uh, we'll catch the next thing. I, w- I do want to talk about the massage parlor shootings too. I think that's worthy of some.
2: I told them nine thirty.
1: Okay, so we're ready now. <laughs> All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap it up. It has been another riveting episode of Lawyer Talk. You know, we were gone for a week because I was on spring break, obviously. Uh, Watch the Shalvin trial, man. It's coming. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Tune in. I'm going to cover this some more, maybe even with some special episodes. Uh, As always, I I keep promising and teasing big things because big things are happening. We're about to go live stream. We got multi-cam videos set up, ready to rock and roll. So stay tuned on that. Uh, If you want your own podcast, check us out. Channel 511.com. Happy to help you. I talked to some folks last night. They got a great idea for a podcast. I think they're going to be coming in and recording regularly. Uh, Jared, as always, has the comedians on South High. Jason Banks blowing up. And why? Because it's just damn funny. Uh, So you should tune into that one. He records here on Thursday nights. It drops. It's comedians on South High. Check him out on TikTok, too. Jason Banks on TikTok, whatever it is. Jason Banks comedy. Jason Banks comedy TikTok. That's Jason Banks comedy TikTok. So, Anyway, this has been uh, another
4: riveting hour or so of lawyer talk off the record on the air, at least until now.